How many of you have ever had that feeling that um, that God would never answer your prayers? You felt either that uh, you're not worthy of being able to pray to the Lord and have the Lord answer your prayers. God doesn't put those kinds of conditions. He wants you to have a heart of repentance. He wants you to be, have an up-to-date relationship with him, keeping short accounts when you sin, that you go before the Lord and you ask him to forgive you. You don't do what I did when I was a kid and you let the whole day go by doing all the things that you felt you were allowed to do and you, your worldly maneuvers and whatnot. And then you waited at night when you're in bed and I would say, thank you, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. That's what I used to do. Don't do that. Do something better than that. When it is that you do sin and you're aware of it, ask the Lord to forgive you right then and there. Keep a short account of God. When somebody asks you to pray for them, ask them, is this a good time to pray? And pray right then and there to encourage. Keep a short account with God. There are many individuals in the Bible you would never think would make any kind of history or any, have any kind of an accounting in the Bible. But there are individuals in the Bible, regardless of how brief the reference, can hold life lessons for you and for me. Uh, there's a great example. There was a book by a man named Jabez. How many of you remember the, the Prayer of Jabez? That was a very popular book. It made millions of dollars for its author and for the publishing company. But it was about a very common, ordinary guy who held the place of just a couple of verses in the Old Testament. And yet his life was exposed a couple of years ago in this book. His story comes from 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. Take a look. Two verses. Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, which meant sorrow, because she said, I have, I have bore him in sorrow. Verse 10, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my, court, my, my coast, and that then thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. So many people say, well, I can't pray for myself. How many of you feel that way? You can't pray for yourself. Clue, cue, key. You can pray for yourself. You should pray for yourself. And I'm sorry to say there may not be anybody else but you praying for you. So you should be praying for yourself. And he did. Yeah, and, and this is what he requested in, in uh, verse 10. He made four requests of God. One, that God would bless him. Well, that's a good thing to pray for, isn't it? That God would bless you. That's not, you don't stop there. There's a comma. And the comma there for you and for me is we pray for others right along with ourselves. But don't leave you out. After all, you know your needs better than anybody. You know your shortcomings better than anybody. You know the desires of your heart better than anybody. So express them to the Lord. The Bible says, you have not. Anybody want to finish that line? Because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Ask of the Lord for blessing. And then he said, prosper my efforts. Now, you may not be in business, but you may draw a salary, and you can ask the Lord to help that, sal that salary and those few dollars be stretched, stretched enough that you can start out giving to the Lord. Because when you start out giving to the Lord first, 
He will bless what's happening below that line. So reach out to the Lord and ask him to prosper your efforts. If it's a job, if it's a business, God wants to know that you're leaning on him and you're trusting him for that endeavor and for your financial needs. Third, keep me in the palm of your hand and never let me go. Now that is a great feeling when you recognize the fact that the God of the universe, the God who invented it all, created it all, designed it all, and by his voice spoke it into existence, when you realize you've got the power of that person behind you, if God before us, who could be against us? Keep me in the palm of your hand and never let me go. And fourth, keep, keep me from sin's evil influence. And boy, if you don't pray that every day and get that armor on every day and ask the Lord to protect you every day, the truth is you're stepping out of your apartment, stepping out of your house, stepping off your property, jumping into your car without any protection. You're going to be assaulted throughout the day. I promise you know, I, I was one of those kids who thought once you got saved, all your problems went away. What problems did I have at 10 years old besides the fact that my parents were divorced? But I thought all my problems were going to be disappeared, and I would listen to people giving their testimony. Ever since I met Jesus, all my problems are over. I don't know what Jesus they're talking about. Because when I came to Jesus, my problems increased. Why? because I started to know the difference between right and wrong, and I was keeping a little ledger in my head, and the little ledger kept ticking off, you did the wrong thing that time, you did the wrong thing that time. It just seemed like I made a lot of wrong decisions in my young life, and I continue to do that today. Verse 10, God granted his request. Well, that's not just a promise for Jabez. That's not just a reality for Jabez. That's not just a factoid that you can trust for Jabez, but you can trust it for you, that God will grant your request. Jabez was an ordinary, average person. He had no connections. He was not a priest. He was not wealthy. He was not powerful. He's basically you. When you look in the mirror, you can see a person just like Jabez. You, your friends, your family, but Jabez believed in the God he prayed to him. He believed God hears and answers the prayers of ordinary people like himself, Jacob asked of God, believing. When you go to prayer, do you believe that God is listening to your prayer? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he hears you? Or do you say to yourself, well, I'm filled with doubt about this deal. I mean, how could I, sitting here in Surgeonsville, New Jersey, on a wooden pew, with good cushioning, I might add, but how could I, sitting here in this corner cornfield, have connection to God? He's hearing me. How could that happen? Well, if you can figure out how your cell phone works, how you could be driving 60 miles an hour, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt here, that you could be driving on the highway and you could be hundreds of miles away from your, your domicile, from your home, and yet you're still getting reception, hopefully, and you're talking to somebody who's hundreds of miles away. How is that happening? But you can figure out that. You can figure out how God can get to the place where he could hear your prayers. But we live by faith and not by sight. We just know that we know. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's our conviction. That's where we put a stake into the ground. Believing. We have the very God-given right to ask 
and to expect God to answer our prayers according to his will and in his time. That's the right that you have with God. We're so big on our rights today. Well, this is one that the rest of the world, without Jesus, they don't have that. They don't have that right. You do. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to handle it? Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened up to you. James 4, 2, You have not because you ask not. Our lesson this morning is also a short account in Scripture. Ten verses that yield an awful lot about a man who spent his time waiting for the Messiah. A people can do a lot of things with their time, and according to Scripture, this boy was spending his time studying the Scripture and saying within his heart, I know the Messiah is coming, and I know it's going to be soon. Let's go to our text, Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 35, and I'll ask you to stand with me as I read Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. In those days, the Holy Ghost did not come into a person's heart and body. They, he came upon them. It was for a short duration. He came just for a particular mission. In this particular case, the Holy Spirit was upon him to give an extra measure of faith that in fact the Messiah was on the way and he would see him. And it was revealed, verse 26, unto him that the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let's thy Thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation with which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which he spoke of him. And Simeon blessed them and said, Mary his mother, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, the sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You may be seated. Good things were going to come from this child, and a lot of sorrow and pain was going to come to the parents of this child, especially the mom. So who was Simeon? His name means God has heard. Here was a man who spent years praying and waiting for a day to come when the Messiah would arrive on earth. Just his name gave him a glimmer of hope. God has heard. Does that help you as you're praying and as you're going through a tough time to know that God is listening, to know that you're not alone in your dreams, you're not alone in your fears, you're not alone in your loneliness, but God hears and God's looking down. You never have to part your lips because God can read the pain in your heart he can read your sorrow. He can read your joy. He can enhance those emotions for you in such a way that you can get through each day. All God's promising you is that you're going to get through today. That's it. Are you praying and waiting on the Lord? Never forget 
God has heard your prayer and he will answer that prayer. So keep praying. Pray till its conclusion. That may be years. I know that there are some of you who have been praying for something for years and you felt like God's not listening. He is. But don't forget, God's got his own sense of timing. Jabez prayed believing, maybe wavering from time to time, but he never gave up believing. Keep believing. Never give up. Verse 25 said Simeon was just and devout. He was just toward people, which means that he was fair and honorable in his dealings and actions, consistently doing what was right morally. What a testimony. Could that be said about you in your business dealings or you at work? Or you in your daily interactions with people, do you have a testimony? What is, what is it that people see when they see you? When they think of you, what do they think of? What is your testimony? What is your legacy? What is your reputation? Because as you go, so goes the reputation of Jesus. If they know you're a Christian, they're watching you in a way they don't watch other people. It's just the reality. He was devout means he was devout towards God. He was devoted toward his faith in Jesus Christ. Simeon knows that you can't have one without the other. Life for a Christian is in balance. Simeon discovered that key to a balanced life. Heart to God, hand to man. There's the Salvation Army's motto, to be lived out. That we will be men and women of faith in Christ and our lives would represent it. And as we came into contact with people and as we come into contact with people and they hear us and they see us, something is different. As a youth, Jesus demonstrated that balance in Luke 2, 52. And Jesus, it says, increased in wisdom and stature and found favor with God and man. There's the balance. That you can touch people's lives because of your connection to God the Father. A just and devout Christian makes an impact on people's lives and in some cases changes the course of history. So I'm going to read a story to you that I've read to you on other occasions, but I thought it just went along with today's sermon. The story is told of a monk from southern France who went to Rome to take in the splendors of the city. When he arrived, he was caught up in the crowd going to the Colosseum. He wasn't aware of all that was involved in the entertainment of the day, but he soon realized what was going to happen when the gladiators took their places on the field. They drew their weapons, waved them at Caesar, and called out, We who are about to die salute you. The young monk realized that the gladiators were about to fight each other to the death, and he called out amidst the roaring crowd, Stop, stop, stop in the name of Jesus. His voice could not be heard above the roar of the crowd. He rushed down to the aisle, to the barrier that separated the cheering crowd from the strutting gladiators. And again he yelled out, in the name of Jesus, stop. Still no more people heard his plea. He jumped over the barrier, ran out into the middle of the Colosseum floor. He stood between two of the gladiators and yelled at each of them, stop in the name of Jesus, stop. The two gladiators ignored his words. Instead, each took his sword and ran it through the body of the pleading monk. As the man of God dropped to the ground, dead, silence fell over the crowd. Then, in stunned stillness, one man in one of the black back rows left his seat, came down an aisle of the Colosseum and left. Another followed, then another, 
and then another, then still another. As the Colosseum emptied, Caesar himself stood and left. From that day on, there would be no more gladiator fights in Rome's Colosseum. An end to the brutality and the death all took place because one man was willing to pay the price and gave his life. What could you do with your life? I'm not asking you to run out in front of a sword, but I'm asking you to study the sword. Study God's word. Be able to share it with the people around you. Part of this ministry is a teaching ministry to help you get a, a better grip on your faith and what you believe and why you believe it. Verse 25, Simeon was waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Those at that time who anticipated the coming of the Messiah, they knew the scripture. They knew that the time was near. We have that account in Matthew 2 with the Magi, the wise men who were astronomers, men of science, were studying both the scripture and the heavens for a sign of his birth. Their studies and their faith led them to Jerusalem where, Matthew 2, 3 says, we have seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. 2,000 years ago, watchers and seekers, students of Scripture, hoped for the Messiah, desired to see the Messiah, prayed his arrival would come quickly. This is what they were thinking. This is what they were thinking, uh, uh, praying about. This is what they were hoping for. They were at once patient and impatient. In 2023, that's a mark of us believers because we believe there is an event that's coming that's been prophesied for which no other... No other prophetic utterances have to be fulfilled. The next step in God's timetable is something called the rapture. It's an event that's going to take place among you and I and all the believers on the planet when the Lord Jesus Christ will be in the clouds, a trumpet will sound, the voice of the archangel will speak, and Jesus will effectively say, come up to me. And what will happen is those who are dead their, their body will arise. You say, how could that be? Somebody was killed in a fire and their body is gone. They have DNA there. And God will reassemble that DNA and create a heavenly body so that person will come out of the grave. And those of us who remain alive will be caught up in the air to be with the Lord and will be with him forever after that. So the rapture is going to come. This is something that we want. We find ourselves at that same juncture in human history where we are waiting for a trumpet to sound to call us out of the earth. We are patient and impatient. That's how I feel. How do you feel? Matthew 24, 42, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord cometh. In verse 26 says, the Holy Spirit reveals, Simeon will see the Messiah before he dies. He will he, will see, he, will, he wills to see Christ. He desires to worship Christ. His heart's in the right place, and the Spirit leads him to where Christ may be found. He was drawn to that temple that day, and he was not unhappy about that. Acts 2.21, It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simeon met Jesus before he died. As believers, our heart's desire should be that everyone we come in contact with who doesn't know Jesus as Savior, that we would be able to have an impact on that person's life by virtue of how we live and how we express that verbally. We don't have secret agents. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
So please don't, when given an opportunity, a divine appointment, you just know when that person said that phrase that it's the Holy Spirit telling you, speak to them. Don't be a, don't be a, a, a pastor. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. You just have to be somebody with a story. And there isn't a person in this room who's a Christian who doesn't have a story. Be a great storyteller. Tell them what Jesus has done. What a wonderful change in my life has happened since Jesus came into my heart. Tell it. Paul said, don't be ashamed. If we reject Jesus in this life, we will meet him in the next life as our judge. If we meet him in this life, we will follow him as our savior. When Simeon met baby Jesus and lifted him up in his arms, aside from Joseph and Mary, Simeon was the first man recorded in the Bible to have seen and handled God's son, but he would not be the last. Look at the verse here in, in uh, John, 1 John 1, 1. All of the apostles can attest to this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon. Our hands and our, hand, our hands have led and, and, and have touched him, the word of life. Simeon proceeds to make a startling and accurate prediction. Number one, he predicts, Christ would bring light and blessing to the world. It's 2023. We can look back and see if that prediction came true. I want to just share four things with you. Number one, the overwhelming impact of Christ on earth has been for good. First, it's been good for children. 2,000 years ago in ancient Rome and Greece, it was dangerous to conceive a baby. Abortion was rampant, and abandonment of infants was commonplace. Then Jesus was born. The womb became sacred since that time. And because of Jesus' care for the sick and the poor, Christians have cherished life as sacred, even the life of the unborn. In ancient Rome, Christians saved many abandoned babies and brought them up in the faith. Christianity has helped preserve the family as the basic unit of society. Is that any wonder why the culture disdains us? that we are nothing more than deplorables. The nerve of us to believe in the, in the beauty of a family. The nerve of us to believe that a child in the womb is sacred and is life. And so many other things that we stand as culture. As, as, as the culture goes, we go in an opposite direction. We are the opposite of the culture. We are the great resistors, resistors of the 21st century. And we need to be, amen? We need to be, amen? amen? Not just the pastor yapping up here, but all the rest of us. When we hear that which is not biblical, stand up against it. Resist the lies. Christianity has helped preserve the family as a basic unit of society. Number two, science. Jesus' birth had an impact on science. You say, how could that be? Physicist and head of the Manhattan Project um, physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer said, modern science was born out of a Christian worldview because the early scientists believed that God was the creator. And you know what they were looking for? The signs of how he did it. They knew the what, but they didn't know the how. And that was the search they were on for truth. How did it all happen when God spoke? Education, number three. The greatest universities were started by Christians for Christian purposes. 
Most of the first 123 colleges and universities in the United States have Christian origins. Did you know that? We're having an awful lot of talk about universities right now, and it doesn't look good for them. But here's one that's in the news these days, and here's something engraved on a stone by the entrance of Harvard. Quote, after God had carried us safe to New England and we had built our houses, provided necessaries for our livelihood, reared convenient places for God's worship, and settled civil government, one of the next things we longed for and looked after was to advance learning and perpetuate it to posterity, dreading to leave an illiterate ministry to churches when our present ministries shall lie in the dust. They, the founding fathers and mothers wanted to leave a legacy of faith and that education was the root to that. Pastors should be able to educate their congregation. When I was uh, in high school, you know you have to put in your yearbook what you wanted to be. I said, oh, I'd love to be an English teacher. Well, I speak in English. I pray I'm teaching. Had Jesus, the, the further away from God Har Harvard has traveled, the more it has lost its way. Amen? The further away from God Harvard has traveled, the more it's lost its way. Had Jesus never come to earth, humanity would yet remain in darkness of sin and ignorance. As Simeon predicted, he is the light of the world. But Simeon was the first to realize as he beheld Jesus, verse 30, he was seeing God's salvation. From the cradle to the cross, this is Jesus' greatest good. Salvation, full and free, to all who place faith and trust in the crucified, buried, and risen Jesus. Simeon spent his life waiting to see the Messiah. And in his belief and by his faith, fullness, faithfulness, God gave him a desire of his heart. What are the desires of your heart? So this morning I would leave you these words. Keep watching. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep listening to the sound of a trumpet. Home is just over the, over the horizon. And Jesus is coming again. Amen. Father God, we thank you for the privilege we have to study your word. To get excited about who we are in Christ. Help us, Lord, to, to, to be outspoken to be filled with care, to be kind and caring and cautious with our words. But help us, Lord, not to be silent. Not to be silent. The world is filled with those who are not silent and are hurting the cause. And then the world is full with people who are not silent and the, and the effect they're having on our culture. So Lord, help us to have that balance, to know when to speak when the Holy Spirit moves waiting for a divine appointment. We thank you, Lord, that as our lesson is taught, we should be watching and waiting for the opportunity we have to share Jesus. And I pray it all in his name. Amen.